What a joy it is to be here tonight. Um, I've been looking forward to uh, this evening for a number of uh, weeks now, because I really believe God's got an incredible appointment of destiny with many of you. Um, and it really is such a, a, an incredible privilege uh, to uh, just be a part of something in its infancy like this, where um, God's voice and what God's going to say is going to help shape what real life church is going to look like over the next 10 to 15 years. And so it's with great anticipation and joy that I'm coming. Um, I have left my beautiful wife at home, um, and she sends her love and is praying for this meeting. Um, and uh, we get to travel the world doing some incredible things, seeing God do some amazing things. I'm from South Africa originally. It's great to see some South African faces there. Um, George says hi, by the way. Um, these guys are from South Africa, and I know uh, their pastor quite well. Um, and it's so great just to be here. Um, I was just in the city of Durban a few uh, weeks ago, and uh, we just saw God do some amazing things. Just a phenomenal outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Saw numbers of um, metal plates disappearing, metal pins disappearing. People who came in with um, either metal plates in their ankles or, or in their legs that meant there was no mobility because they couldn't bend it because of the pins. Uh, they could suddenly bend it afterwards. I'm going to pretend like you're impressed with that. Because I really am impressed with Jesus. Um, <laughs> one of the things that we've banned at our church, I'm based at the King's Arms, together with uh, Dave over here. Dave Sarich he's an incredible young man. Um, and uh, we're based at the King's Arms. And uh, one of the things that we banned at the King's Arms are what we call golf claps. You know, a golf clap is, well done. Jolly good show, Jesus. Good shots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't do that because the biblical response is walking and leaping and praising and shouting. That's the biblical response. You can never get too emotional with God. And so we banned golf claps. I'm hoping that something of that's going to rub off. So I'll tell you another story very quickly and see if you get what I mean. <laughs> I um, have just been, I will not just in, in the month of May, uh, earlier this year, we got the privilege, myself and Katia, to travel to Northern Ireland to Coleraine, uh, to the Vineyard Church there, actually, where God's doing an amazing thing. They've seen over 2,000 responses to the gospel since February on the streets of Northern Ireland. Nice. We're nearly there. It's still a bit of a Christian clap. I know what you guys are like when you watch football, please. Um, and I uh, just saw God do some amazing things there. I was doing one of their meetings, and uh, we've seen, I think this year, we've seen about eight or nine deaf ears pop open, which is really exciting. Um, and uh, we, I was sharing this in one of their meetings, and uh, this is, of course, Northern Ireland. And it was a Sunday afternoon meeting. Someone who was completely drunk, not on the Holy Spirit, but on some other kind of spirit, walked into the meeting. I mean, he's completely blotted out of his mind, walks into the meeting, sits down. I'm sharing the story of how deaf ears have begun to pop open. And the next minute, there's this massive commotion at the back. But being a good preacher, we get taught that irrespective of what happens, you can have an earthquake, you carry on preaching the word. So I carried on preaching, pretending like nothing was happening at the back. At the end of the meeting, uh, he came up to me, and this is just profound. He said, I came in completely drunk. And I just sat down and heard you speak about how people got healed of 
deaf ears, my left deaf ear popped open. I then sobered up immediately, and at the end of the meeting, I had the privilege of leading him to Jesus. Isn't that incredible? I just love it. In that same meeting, we were out for lunch at the local Chinese, and my friend Mark Marks got to pray for uh, the waitress. She got saved, and that night, she and the whole family came, and their family responded to the gospel. Um, it is easy to get people saved, contrary to popular belief. And we're seeing God heal and save many people. And uh, one of the things that I'm loving about what God's doing in, in Ireland, in particular in Northern Ireland at this church, is God spoke to them and said to them, if you take care of your city, I'll take care of your church. And they realize that there's something about learning to bless the city. And the result is that they're seeing many get saved. They have a, a bit of a formula called asking the miracle question, which really is just a very simple way of getting to the point, do you want to meet Jesus? And uh, they've seen over 2,000 responses as a result. In the United Kingdom, who said it was difficult to do evangelism in the United Kingdom? A friend of mine, Steph Miles, who is our local church evangelist, saw six people in one hour last week respond to the gospel in Bedford. It's not difficult. And uh, we're seeing God do some amazing things in the nations, just incredible stuff. One of the most incredible stories, um, I'm just going to share some stories and then I'll get into the text that I want to talk about. I'm not going to preach for long, but I do want to provoke and just change some of your thinking a little bit, I hope. We were in uh, a gang in the city of Durban and there was a, a young guy, 16, 17 years old, who uh, was in the meeting, had a severe stutter his whole life. God instantaneously healed him of his stutter and then covered him in gold dust, which I think is pretty cool. It messes with your mind, but it's pretty cool, right? <laughs> Suddenly gold dust starts appearing on him. And what was fantastic is the next morning he went to school and his teacher threw a surprise class presentation. So you can just imagine the class response when this 16-year-old guy gets up and speaks with no stuttering. How did that happen? Well, last night Jesus healed me. We're living in days of God's favor. The supernatural is easy. A lot of the stories that we're seeing, so in our local church, the King's Arms, we've seen over a thousand, close to a thousand people at least now. Certainly in the last five years, we've seen hundreds and hundreds, if not over a thousand people get healed on the streets of Bedford. Um, Not in the building, because we believe uh, the church was never meant to be a building. The church is meant to be a people built together to house the presence of God. And just seeing incredible signs and wonders and miracles. And I wish we could point to one particular person who has a super-duper anointing, who can do it all, but we can't. Because we've got grannies and young people alike who are seeing miracles. My godson, who is um, six years old, Henry Vincent, uh, is one of the most incredible kids. And he's having angelic encounters, hearing from God, prophesying. Why? Because it's easy to do the stuff. It was never meant. Kingdom work is child play. The Bible says you need to posture yourself like a child in order to receive the kingdom. (laughs) I'm going to say amen to that point because I thought it was good. (laughs) If you can, why don't you turn in your Bibles just very quickly to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 36. I want to, I suppose I want to just quickly speak into some foundational issues for a local church 
And one of the things I love about coming to church plants and emerging churches is that you get to help the, the, the culture be established right at, at its foundations. And I, my prayer tonight is above getting some information that you would get something of a transference of the heart of God and a culture that God is releasing across the face of the earth that is seeing kingdom dynamics open up in a very powerful way so that we do not simply do church on a Sunday, but we get to live in the dynamic outpouring of God's Spirit wherever we go. How many of you know that you cannot pray for revival any longer? Because you are the walking revival that the world needs. You're it. You're the answer. God's got no backup plan. <laughs> Some of you are like, help us, Jesus, really? Um, no, there, there is no backup plan. You're it. You're the answer to this world. <laughs> it's going to be a good night. Matthew chapter 13, verse 36. Jesus had just told the story, the parable of the sower who goes out into his farm and sows some seed. And he sows seed and in the night his enemy comes in and sows some, uh, uh, um, some seed too and plants weeds into uh, this field. And the farmer then says they both need to grow up together so that we can separate them um, at harvest time. And the disciples, I don't know about you, but I'm a bit like the disciples. The disciples, are, they just don't get it. They don't understand what the parable means. One of the things that I love about Jesus that he demonstrated in terms of kingdom is he often hid things for the hungry. And so parables uh, were, were often misunderstood and were often missed by the hearers. And only the hungry who pressed in and said, but tell us what that really means, got the reward of what Jesus was saying. And very often in our relationship with Jesus, we can often think that God's hiding himself from us when actually he's hiding himself for us. That he's looking for us to lean a little bit in and say, we want some more. And the disciples, although they didn't ever most of the time understand what Jesus was saying, were hungry. They were a hungry people. And I love what they say to him. He goes into the house, verse 36, and the disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the close of the age. The son of man will send his angels. And they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. I love this text because really this is a blueprint text of how we to understand and make sense of our life. One of the things that God is doing in the nations today is he's bringing a significant transition. He's bringing a significant uh, um, change of thinking. How many of you know the word repentance, metanoia, in the original Greek means to change the way you think. It's not just about a behavioral change. It is about a whole dynamic of thinking that changes to orientate itself around what God is, is wanting. And so when Jesus comes and says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he's not saying turn from your sins. He's saying change the way you think about heaven because it's close, it's within arm's reach, it is at hand. 
It changes everything. And very often uh, we have built our understanding through the lens of religion, through the lens of church, when God's domain is the kingdom. And one of the massive transitions that God is bringing to the church is moving from what I call an ecclesiastical-centric theology, which is all about church and how we do church, to a more robust understanding of kingdom theology. You see, the kingdom of God, which is his rule and his gracious reign, expressed on earth as it is in heaven, comes to us and is bigger than the church. The kingdom of God is bigger than the church because it covers more than what the church can cover. The kingdom of God is, as the Bible puts it in this context, it says the field is the world and who owns the world? Not the devil, God does. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And when you understand that the kingdom of God is his rule and reign coming to the earth and governs everything, including the church, you begin to realize that your life is more important than just a Sunday morning meeting. That the expression of who you are and what God's called you to do is not only for a Sunday morning. Now, I want to be very clear, I love the church because God's coming back for the church, isn't he? And you can, have, um, you can have the church without a kingdom expression, but you cannot have the kingdom without a church expression. And so what I mean by that is very often churches can build, sent it to itself, rather than build from itself to change the community. Amen? And I'm not just talking about feeding the poor. I'm talking about your place of work. I'm talking about the sphere of influence that God has given you. It can literally demonstrate the kingdom of God wherever you are to bring radical change. And the kingdom of God is his gracious rule and reign expressed through us. The Bible says the kingdom of God does not come through observation by saying, oh, there it is, or there it is. The kingdom of God is in you. His rule and reign is expressed in you and through you, and you are the gatekeepers of God's kingdom wherever you go. In other words, you have an opportunity to release the atmosphere of heaven wherever you go so that people who come under that atmosphere begin to ask questions like, what must I do to get saved? That's dynamic and powerful. And one of the things we have to understand is God's original intent is still his intent. The Bible says that God created a garden called Eden. And in this Eden, there was a, in this garden, there were boundaries around this garden. There were trees in the garden. There was fruit in the garden. Everything could be found in the garden. And it was the place where heaven and earth met together in perfect harmony. And Eden is the word pleasure. Do you know that your life was designed to live from the place of pleasure? <laughs> I'm going to pretend... I'm going to pretend like you're getting really happy. God's design is that you live from the place of his pleasure. It's why the Bible says that at his right hand are pleasures evermore. God's really good. And God wants to give you permission to over-exaggerate his goodness. The Bible says whatever you think, ask, or imagine, God will do exceedingly abundantly above that. Your imagination around the goodness of God is the blank check of faith to prove his goodness. If you can imagine it, you can have it. Yay, God. <laughs> Such good preaching, Julian. This is amazing. And in the Garden of Eden, God commissions Adam and Eve and says, I want you to take this garden, this place where heaven and earth meet, 
and I want you to cover the earth. Because beyond the virus of his garden is a, a dominion that is without form, without shape, and is void of any purpose. And you are now called to cultivate this garden that covers the earth. When you look throughout scripture, garden terminology or garden uh, the garden making earth is found throughout scripture. And what was lost in the garden of Eden is restored in the garden of Gethsemane. Incredible. You'll see that the crucifixion and the resurrection takes place in the garden. Remember, God commissions Adam and Eve to be gardeners. What does Mary see the first sign of the resurrected Christ? What does he look like? Gardener. And it's in that context that God commissions his disciples. He says, my peace I give to you. And then he breathes on them and he says, now you go and do the stuff. Everything that was lost, and if I had time, I'd teach you about literally every aspect of the Garden of Eden that was lost in terms of shame, in terms of brokenness, in terms of the place of women. Everything that was lost is restored in the Garden of Eden. His original intent is still his intent. And at the cross, new creation breaks out. It's why Jesus on the cross says, it is finished. He's not saying that because it's just about justification. No, he was alluding to when Jesus sat down and said, creation can now start to cover the earth. When Jesus said, it is finished, he was saying the new creation is now breaking out all over the earth. Change the way you think about the kingdom. And you are the walking new creation that is meant to demonstrate and extend the garden of God's kingdom wherever you go. And so God, Jesus says in this text that uh, the seed are the sons of the kingdom. And he takes in, he sows you into this area just outside of Birmingham to grow a garden of his kingdom. And he, you guys happen to get together as church. You know what the word ecclesia means? The word ecclesia is stolen from common day language that Jesus steals from the Roman Empire at that time. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 16 that God has given us the keys of the kingdom and says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It's the first time that the word church is used in the Bible. You don't see it anywhere else in the Old Testament. This word church, ecclesia, the called out ones, is a borrowed word that Jesus steals from the Roman Empire. And what the Roman Empire would do is they will come into a community and they will call out, that's what ecclesia means, the called out ones, they will call out people from the community and train them in the ways of Rome so that they could Romanize the area that they were in. And they were called to then govern. The ecclesia were ones who were called out to govern on behalf of Rome. How many of you get the analogy? You are called to govern on behalf of heaven. That's the church's responsibility. That the only principality over a region, this is going to be so good you're going to get happy, is meant to be the church. Because the Bible says that God has given all things to Christ, even for the church. Ephesians chapter 2 says a great thing, it says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all the church, which is his body. In other words, every principality and power, that wonderful scripture that you read, has been given to us, the church. And then it says this, his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In other words, because we get to be the walking expression of the kingdom, his body on the earth, we fill every aspect of the world. It means your work is now holy to God. Your marriage is holy to God. 
The way you have fun is holy to God. In fact, everything is holy, 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 and the only thing that's separated from God is sin. There's no such thing as the secular and sacred divide anymore because finally heaven and earth touch in you. <laughs> Man alive. And Jesus says, I'm sowing you out. God's intention is that you live in the place that you live. God's intention is that your job becomes a platform for kingdom activity. That this gathering as church is not only to love on one another, to equip one another, to be the body of Christ together, to be a temple of his presence together. It's so that we are released to be sons in the kingdom. And one of the things I love about this text is it starts off with, these are the sons of the kingdom. The primary expression of this kingdom is not in some angry, grumpy king wanting to smite us, but in a kind father who invites us to be ambassadors and co-laborers with him. You get to dream with God. You see, the sovereignty of God is not an excuse for laziness. The sovereignty of God is an invitation into relationship. For many of us, we live with a kind of mentality, what will be, will be. problem is, when you live with that mentality, not much happens. Because God has given you an authority and a remit of influence that you get to exert, and if you don't, no one's going to do it for you. And he says, you're the sons of the kingdom. The primary expression of kingdom life is through sonship. I'm God's favorite. I'm convinced of it. So are you, by the way. When the Bible says that we are to renew our minds, we are to transform our lives through the renewing of the mind, that word renew means to think again through the lens of newness. In other words, we have to reevaluate who we were as people who did not have Christ, who were old creations, who lived under the curse of the fall, and work to change the way we think because we now see ourselves through the new lens of new creation, which says, I'm a son, that I'm a full heir, that everything that's true of Jesus is now true of me, that every access that he has in terms of his inheritance is now the same access that I have in terms of my inheritance. Now when I sing a song that the same power that raised him from the dead now dwells in me, it's meant to move me. To do the miraculous. <laughs> Listen, it's the biggest waste of time to ask God for something that you already have. You don't need more power. You've already got it. You've got the person of the Holy Spirit and his kingdom dwelling in you. You don't need anything else because you're joined to Christ. His inheritance is your inheritance. In fact, you're in Christ that when the Father sees you, he sees Christ all over you. We're sons. Shika bazooka. Like that, that is flipping amazing. It's the same axis. Listen, oh. This is going to blow you away. Just, every time I say it, it blows me away. The last time I spoke this word, I spoke it in Ireland, and a woman got up and started doing an Irish jig as I said this. <laughs> but here's the reality. The same place that Jesus occupies in Trinitarian intimacy is the same place that you occupy. Because we're seated in Christ in heavenly places. <laughs> Go home. We don't need to talk about anything else now. Because that, that, that's like a hello flipping Louia right there. Your sons in the kingdom. And this kingdom is not just some weak, ineffective kingdom. It's a kingdom that's supernatural. 
It's a kingdom that influences everything. So he says, you know, the reapers are the angels at the end of the age are going to come. Listen, we live in a supernatural kingdom, which means our church and what we do reflects the supernatural reality of God's kingdom. God heals the sick. God delivers people from demonic oppression. Angels and demons are real. And we get to access the realm of the angelic. If I started talking to you about some of the angelic visitations that I've had, some of you will be like, where's that in the Bible? On nearly every page. If you take a highlighter and begin to highlight every supernatural experience, you'll end up highlighting the whole Bible because God revealed it to them by the Spirit. It was a supernatural moment. God's a supernatural God. He likes to work in supernatural ways. We were just in Clarence, in the city of Clarence, in uh, the town of Clarence in, in South Africa. I had a woman come in with a pin in her leg because of an accident. She broke in her leg in three different places in a car accident. Had a pin, unable to bend it whatsoever, unable to put pressure on it. Literally was just walking like this because of the incredible pain. And in a moment, God completely healed her, gave her complete ability to bend her knee and to jump on it, left her crutches and went home. We, we serve a supernatural God. And he rocks up and he does some supernatural stuff. And, 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 and this supernatural kingdom is reflected in a tension, in that God's kingdom has come in the person of Jesus, but he's still coming. Well, it's not perfect yet, is it? But perfection is coming. <laughs> you see, I, I live with sickness in my own body, um, and I'm trusting God for incredible healing. I've had uh, a reoccurring problem since I was born. I'm trusting God for healing. But the reality is my life in comparison to eternity means that sooner or later the reality of eternity is going to break out on this body. And if it doesn't do so in this lifetime, in the next lifetime I get a glorified body because God's going to heal it anyway. And we live in a tension where there is incredible victory and incredible setbacks. In this kingdom, where the supernatural can break out in one place, yet it doesn't seem to work in the next place. But that doesn't mean I stop from pursuing the purposes of God. It just means I choose to believe what's true of God rather than what I don't understand about God. You see, for many of us, we feel like in this day and age, we have the right to have all the answers. (laughs) We don't. That's why faith requires that I trust him irrespective of my circumstance. I don't deny my circumstance. I just simply choose to believe what's true about what he says in the circumstance. John the Baptist is stuck in prison. Everyone else is getting freed up. Everyone else is getting encounters of God. The blind are seeing, deaf are hearing. Jesus says to John the Baptist's disciples, go to John the Baptist and tell him that the blind see the deaf hear, the poor receive the good news. And John the Baptist would have heard that and he would have immediately known that Jesus was reciting Isaiah. The Messianic promise that when the Messiah comes, he would open the blind eyes, he would, he would uh, bring the good news to the poor, he would bring equity and justice to those who have no justice. Jesus recites that, but he leaves out the bit where it says, and the prisoner will go free, intentionally. So John the Baptist understands that he's going to be stuck in that prison. And then Jesus says an incredible thing, he says, blessed are you if you're not offended by me. For many of us, we live in the place of offense and it acts as a stumbling block to the miraculous because we've had unanswered questions about God's character and his goodness 
And it acts as a stumbling block to seeing the breakthrough that we often need. That word offense is the word scandalizo, and it literally means stumbling block. And what they would do in those days is some very mean people would um, put boxes in front of blind people so that they would stumble and fall over the box. And the analogy that Jesus is saying is, as you're reaching out for me and you cannot quite see me, don't fall over me. Because sometimes Jesus might not answer in the way that we expect. Sometimes the kingdom dynamic doesn't break in as quickly as we expect. The miracles don't happen as quickly as we expect. We, we, we see people die of cancer. We see people die of all sorts of things. Yet, you know, I've seen such phenomenal healings. I've seen incurable diseases happen, uh, heal, get healed. Yeah, I'm still struggling. Why? Why me? I'm not going to stumble over Jesus because in my reaching out, I know he's good. And despite my unanswered question, I'm not going to be in a place of offense. There's a tension in the kingdom, but it's supernatural. It means that we're to expect the prophetic, and in a moment I'm going to flow in the prophetic. It means that we're to expect angelic visitation. You are not going to build this church without angelic help. If Jesus needed ministry from angels, I reckon I do too. It's a supernatural community that we live in because we've got a supernatural kingdom. It means that, you know, when you step out and pray for the sick in the office, that you can expect God to heal. And my first three years of healing ministry resulted in more people dying than getting healed. But I just took one little breakthrough. I'll never forget it. That little kid on the floor, he had damaged his nerve in his finger so he couldn't bend it. When I prayed for him, he began. To, he fell to the floor began to laugh as he kept bending. I didn't quite understand what was happening. But that first miracle provided the breakthrough for all the rest after three years of praying. You know the key, you know the key to seeing people healed? Praying for the sick. People are like, what's the key? Pray for the sick. I clearly don't fast enough. Um, and so to express your sons, to express an attention, expressing it in a particular context where we can expect the kingdom to come and expect God to break out. And it's supposed to be supernatural. Man alive. It's supposed to be supernatural. It's supposed to expect this. The other aspect of the kingdom is this incredible picture that Jesus allows the evil ones to grow up next door to the godly ones. And the two things I want to just quickly touch on here. First, it might be a little bit contentious and I might get into trouble, but hey-ho, it's all right, I'm South African and we get into trouble quite often. Um, the first bit is this. Notice that Jesus says God is going to weed out the evil ones and throw them away into burning fire. One of the things we need to understand is that God didn't get you saved simply as a fire insurance or to wait for the rapture. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. God is going to redeem and renew this earth. Everything's going to become brand new. The creation, new creation is going to swallow up every old unredeemed aspect of the earth and all things will become new. And for too long, the church has been waiting for some kind of rapture, saying, God, get me out of this world into the other kingdom of heaven world, when the reality is God's main aim is to get the kingdom of heaven on the earth to renew everything. And so if you're waiting for the kind of trumpet call, stop. 
Jesus is coming back. I totally believe that. But he's not coming back to go away. He's coming back to renew all things. Which means up until then, we have a responsibility to be a prophetic picture of what it's going to look like when he comes back. It's why we help the poor. We don't help the poor because they need to be fed. We help the poor because there is no poor in the kingdom of heaven. It's why we want to build a multicultural church. It's not because we're trying to be politically correct because we're in Birmingham. No, no, we're building a multicultural church because that's what heaven's going to look like. And when you create heaven on earth, it creates a context for the lost to get saved. And your responsibility is to steward your piece of earth that God's given you. Your workspace, your workplace, every aspect. You know, faithfulness is not determined by how many church meetings you go to. Faithfulness is determined by how you steward the sphere of influence that God's given you. So how, how are you serving your boss? If you're a boss, how are you serving your people to create a kingdom context? Because there's no escapist mentality in the kingdom. There's only a transformation mentality. This next move of God is not going to be a come and see move. It's going to be a go and show move. Because God has left the building, as somebody said. And he happens to be walking in you. And the church needs to leave the building too. The reality is God's going to transform everything and he's going to use you. Because you're the expression of new creation on the earth. So if you're waiting for someone to come and grab you out the sky and go, you're on your way to heaven. Please, I'm not living to go to heaven. I'm living for heaven to come to earth. That's why I'm living. The second aspect to this is an incredible aspect. Notice that Jesus says, I'm going to have to let them grow up together because at the end I'll separate them. And the reality is this, that in the kingdom of God, Sometimes God's going to allow things to grow up around you that seems evil because you get to be the influencing factor. But not only that, the difference between the sons of the kingdom and the sons of the evil one is in this. When you see wheat and tares growing together, when wheat is fully ripe, it has its head bowed low, full of reproductive seed. When tares grow, they stand up tall and they're fully ripe and they have an empty head. There's nothing that's reproductive about weeds. It doesn't reproduce itself. It just grows up empty-headed. The difference between the son of the kingdom and the son of the evil one is your posture of servanthood, bowed low, full of reproductive seeds to reproduce yourself wherever you go. You see, Supernatural communities are meant to give away what they've got. We've got to give it away. Listen, I'm learning that the simplicity of Christianity is stopping for the one. Stopping for the person who's selling you food. Stopping for the person who's your waitress. Stopping for the person who's just in front of you and just giving an opportunity for the kingdom to come. Everything changes when you live like this. It's a whole lot more exciting. Everything changes when you begin to live in this place. So I just want to end with this and then we'll prophesy. 
and so I don't want to preach for too long. The church is called to govern on behalf of God's domain. And the way we do that is through his shalom. Shalom is the word for peace in the Bible. And peace in the Bible is not simply the absence of warfare. Peace in the Bible means that everything is as God always intended it to be. It means everything gets changed. Peace, actually, the word peace actually means prosperity. People ask me if I'm into a prosperity gospel, you betcha. Because prosperity doesn't just mean making money. Prosperity means having enough to take care of the needs around you and give away. <laughs> and God's called us to be the people who act as the dispensers of grace to a dying world. And therefore we have to change the way we think about being church, doing church, and expressing the kingdom. If you see church as a Sunday event that you tick off, that you diarize, you've missed the point. But if you see a community of the new creation, a people who are releasing God's rule and reign, everything becomes an opportunity for the goodness of God to be on display. And I want to encourage you as real life church that you're called to be a supernatural people. You're called to... The stuff that happens in the book of Acts is not meant to be our preference. It's meant to be our reference. In other words, that's just the starting point. The church in the book of Acts is a church in its infancy. People say to me, we need to go back to the book of Acts. I do not want to go back to the book of Acts because that's a church in its infancy. A church in maturity will look far, far greater than what we see in the book of Acts. We have to change the way we think about how we engage. You have been sowed into this community to extend the kingdom. It's a supernatural kingdom. It's a kingdom that's facing attention, absolutely. But it's a kingdom that will overcome everything else. Listen, Roman Empire fell. Every empire that has set itself up against the kingdom of God has fallen. Every, every teaching, doctrine, anything that's trying to come against the purpose of God has fallen. It's why we're still around. I want to suggest to you that if you live with a mentality that is trying to hide yourself from community, trying to hide yourself from extending the kingdom of God, being afraid to communicate God's kingdom, you've not really understood the power that's in you. I took my godson Ed with me to South Africa. Ed was 14 at the time. Moved in miracles, signs and wonders. Why? Because he simply believes what God says about him. Because a kid believes a kid believes in the supernatural until an adult tells him not to. Brothers and sisters, you're called to carry the kingdom. And that if you would take care of the royal town of Sutton, is it? God will take care of real life church. If you were blessed and create a culture of honor, do you know what honor means? Honor means I value you because of your intrinsic worth to God. Not because you can offer me anything. Not because I can get anything out of the deal. And the Bible calls us to honor everyone. That means your neighbor that really irritates you. Called, that's the word of knowledge. You're called to honor them. 
That means the boss that is unfair, you call to honor. Got mighty quiet suddenly. Friends, we've got a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And we've got to be able to share it. We've got to be able to give it away. Because <laughs> in that context that the kingdom extends. But you're going to, I want to encourage you to start asking the miracle question. Would you like to know Jesus to some of your friends? Because I think you're going to be surprised at how many people are going to say yes. I want to encourage you to pray for the sick. I want to encourage you to prophesy over one another. I want to encourage you to prophesy over the lost. I'll tell you one quick story and then I'll end. Some of you might have heard this a couple of, a few years ago I was living in uh, Manchester and uh, I was on holiday. And when I'm on holiday, it was one of those staycation holidays. I stayed at home. And uh, when I'm on holiday, I like to just chill and I figured because I'm on holiday at home, I'm going to do some retail therapy because that's godly. Um, and so I went into the city of Manchester, great shopping. And went into the city of Manchester, did some great shopping, got some amazing product, was really happy. And I thought, I'm going to treat myself. I'm not going to take public transport. I'm going to grab a taxi home and just splash out on myself. And uh, got into the taxi thinking, this is amazing shopping. Haven't spoken to many people, just myself and I. Jesus and I were on talking terms, obviously, but I hadn't really spoken to him that day just because I was chilling. And um, so I'm sitting in the, of course, none of you guys feel like that. So I'm sitting there thinking, this is wonderful. I haven't spoken to anyone. It's been wonderful. And then the Pakistani taxi driver looks back at me and says, where are you going? So I explained to him. He says, great, I'll take you there. Driving, he says, so, sir, what do you do for a living? At which point I'm thinking, I'm on holiday. <laughs> I really don't want to start this conversation. Started the conversation, he said, Lord, actually, I'm a minister. He immediately said to me, I need to tell you about how Islam and Christianity are compatible. And so going into this long you know, uh, chat about why we should all be friends, and I'm like, actually, I do want to be friends with Muslims. I love you guys lots, but really, we, we're not on the same page. Completely different. He's just going on. I was like, Lord, I'm on holiday. And the Lord drops into my heart. And this wasn't like a Sean Connery voice. It wasn't a booming, Julian, this is the Lord speaking. It was literally just a little thought that dropped into my heart. He's got a condition in his shoulder that he's had for 12 years, in his left shoulder. So now I'm thinking, Lord, I'm on holiday. <laughs> really? You just had a great day. I've got some good product. Now you want me to still do this. Eventually I was obedient, because that's the right thing to do. Um, I said, uh, so you've got a problem with your left shoulder and you've had it for 12 years, you can't move it, can you? He goes, how did you know that? So I said, well, unlike your prophet, my prophet is still alive and speaks. <laughs> it's the truth. And he just told me that you've got that problem. And so he goes, yes, you're right. So I said, can I pray for you? Now notice, I was just doing retail therapy on that day. There was no soft playing music in the background. I didn't feel anointed. I didn't have goosebumps. I, had not, I wasn't even feeling spiritual. I was just doing retail therapy, which is a spiritual act of worship. But I was doing it. <coughs> so I'm sitting there, put my hand on the perspex glass, the perspex divider, and I said, be healed in Jesus' name. So I said, okay, just move it. I didn't pray in tongues even. I just simply said, be healed in the name of Jesus. He starts moving. He goes, I said, how does it feel? He goes, yeah, it's good. Do it again. Do it again. So I go, be healed in Jesus' name. 
boom, he gets full movement, which is not a good thing when he's driving a taxi, right? <laughs> At that point, I'm thinking, help me, Jesus, save me from a crash. And uh, had the opportunity to share the gospel with him. At the end, um, I got another opportunity to pray with him. He didn't become a Christian, but he told me everything about his family, about the diabetes that his wife was struggling with, about problems he was having with his daughter, and disciplining and how difficult it was being. I was able to share the love of Jesus with him. Now, he didn't get saved, but he did get, go home knowing that Jesus heals and the kingdom came to him. And the bonus was I got half price off my taxi too. But here's the thing. It was just normal. I wasn't working anything up. In fact, I wasn't even feel like praying. Why? Because God's more eager to move through you than you would ever know. This supernatural stuff, people will try and dupe you into thinking you need more faith. No, you don't. Same amount of faith that you know that you're a Christian, it's the same amount of faith that you need to pray for the sick. People will say you need more power. No, you don't. You've got the all-powerful king of heaven living inside of you. You just need to understand that you've got authority to do this stuff. The kingdom is easy. It's not difficult. So I want to encourage you to live in that. In fact, just as I've been speaking, some people have got healed, but you don't know it. And right now, there are two people who've got healed. You're in, in the room already and God's already healed you. I think it's going to do one of you, as I told the shoulder story, God healed you of a shoulder condition, and another person's got healed of an ankle condition. If you just begin to move that and check it out right now, and see, you'll either see the pain is lifting, or it's already gone. I think it's an ankle and a shoulder condition. But just check it out quite quickly, if you've got that problem. And if you know the pain is lifting, or it's already lifting, just put your hand up quickly. I know God's doing this, I've seen God do this a number of times. So where are you? In fact, any pain in your body, just check it out. I'll just go for that, right? Because God's a healer and his presence. Just check it out. Do something you couldn't do. Check it out. And if you know something's changed, check it out. If you know something's changed, just quickly put up your hand. You can feel something's lifting. Quickly, just put up your hand. I'm not going to move on until I see some healing. So just check it out. Who's the shoulder? Who's got shoulder? What's happening there? Your knee's feeling better? Check, just move it. Do something you couldn't do before. Better? Yay, God. We didn't break the sweat for that one. What's happening over there? It's not grinding. So something's changing. Yeah, that's God. We declare some more healing right now. Who's got the ankle? I know someone got an ankle condition. If you just begin to move it, just check it out. What's happening there with the ankle now? Can you check it out? Can you test it out? Something's happening? 